I'm Chris. I'm Wacy. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm Chris. I go by Charles sometimes to not get mixed up with other Chris's in my sphere. Um, I would like to plug internet creepypastas. What's your favorite? My favorite one ever is the Marble Hornets Slenderman series. Yeah. Um, but I just discovered a new one that I'm saving to watch with my friends called Inside the Back Rooms, which is all this like creepy found footage looking stuff. Sure. Yeah. Oh, so you're thinking like videos. Video. Pop- yeah. Yeah. Can you paste a video? Or is that word just like it's no longer related to the word paste anymore? I think it's you just paste your URL in oh, sure. Messenger or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like when you want to share a movie with somebody, you copy and paste the title. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, movies are also creepy. Are not creepy pastas? Still pasta. Unless they're creepy. Unless they're creepy, and you tell people to watch them. Yes. And uh, Wacy, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, sure, I'm Wacy. Um, I guess I heard about this through Chris. Uh, we live together. And I guess the thing that I would like to plug is the turnip in Breath of the Wild, because that is really the only food you need. It heals your full health and gives you extra hearts. Just one turnip. I don't think I've found any of them. Oh, no. Is it related to the Hyrule herb? It's basically a little pink flower that grows from the ground. That's how you know that it's a turnip. And then you um, you go collect it, and then you can set your Sheikah to look for turnips all around Hyrule. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one of those which either. Which is what I did for a bit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I was gonna I was gonna launch into talking about Zelda, but we actually have a topic about that, so we can wait. <laughs> are we uh are we ready to start on some topics? I'm ready for some topics. Yep. Uh, Wacy, your topic is crafting little guys. Yeah. <laughs> that was my that was my interpretation of, of your topic. Oh, yeah, okay. I guess uh I can start. So we've been trying to craft, I guess, different kinds of crafts. So for needle needle felting to wood carving. Uh, which I haven't really enjoyed, I would say. Um, they both take a tremendous amount of patience, and it's fairly repetitive. Yeah. But recently, I discovered polymer clay, where it's basically Play-Doh, but you can bake it, and then it hardens, and you can glaze it, and it becomes a little charm or whatever it is that you want to make. Yeah. So lately, I found that to be a very soothing, but also entertaining craft. Yeah. I like the one where you just stab it until it looks right. yeah that it's so it's so labor intensive though so i can't obviously can't show this on audio but i can just flash in front of the camera so wacy made this korok oh that's really good needle felting yeah it's like what three inches high or so oh even bigger than that probably like four or five and it's 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 really soft which is nice um but it's very like it just has little fuzzies sticking off in every direction Mm -hmm. everywhere and i think it would just take like another hour of stabbing to make that well, I just I assume that the, the fuzzies are just part of the part of the aesthetic at that point, right? I, I, maybe it is. It's hard to tell from watching YouTube videos because it just looks perfect in the video because right. you can't see like that close. Yeah, yeah, they're using one of those those uh, Snapchat filters that makes your skin look really <laughs> smooth, <laughs> but for felts. Yeah. Hopefully, there's not a Snapchat filter that makes you look like a felt. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, there is. That sounds like really scary, <laughs> but also like the game, the game about the divorcing couple that you play together. What's it called? It takes two. It takes two. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, um, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's this other one that I also can't show on audio, but it's a tiny, 
a tiny egg sunny side up yeah. with little eyes yeah. that this was one of the first ones that Wacy made and it's very cute and it, it took much less time than the Korok. Yeah. Um, was that also needle felting? Oh no, that was the that's the polymer clay, which is basically Play-Doh, and I right. think I had a lot more experience with that as a kid, so it yeah. came very naturally. They don't let you stab things at all exactly. as a kid mostly. <laughs> yes, that's how we we're missing that particular skill as adults now. Yeah, April is really into fiber arts and such, and she made uh, Winston a a needle felted Lorax. Oh no way! That's cool. Really cute. But the thing is, it's like an inch high. This is why I was like asking you about the scale of the Korok. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like an inch high. And so like he's constantly losing it and getting upset. Oh, oh no. no. Is it big enough to like have an air tag inside of it? <laughs> I don't know how big those are. Yeah, actually me neither. But it was fun. I was like, oh, this is cool to like make shapes that look like something fast. But then Wacy instantly made like all these cool things. And then the following day... <laughs> like a bunch of more cool things, like all these Kirby's that I don't have, that we don't have right it's here. It's okay, the, the audience can't see them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine yeah. a Kirby. Have they eaten different things? Um, I made one where, I don't know if you've seen, it's kind of, I think, on the newest game cover, where I think Kirby ate, like, some really big circle sphere disc thing. So it turns into this, like, Kirby looks like a disc <laughs> with a giant, like, mouth in the middle. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> Kind of like a giant it's a pretty Cheerio. Funny, yeah, Kirby. exactly. Kirby ate the halo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, that's what crafting little guys is, and it's been really fun just making something with your hands that's really easy and has a product immediately, yeah. and there is no steep learning curve like most things you want to learn as adults. <laughs> true. Yeah, I think this is probably true of a lot of hobbies, but it's it doubles as a, like a fidget toy. Mm-hmm. Mm, true. The last one that I had really wanted to try, I don't remember how I got my the idea in my head. I think just YouTube recommendation algorithm <laughs> made me decide that I wanted to try wood carving. And so we did try that one. But that one's like pretty brutal on your fingers and it takes forever. And mm-hmm. like the thing that comes out, it just kind of looks like it's got a ch- bunch of chunks missing. Like I carved like some like one like face thing, but it's just like a face with chunks missing, you know? Yeah. And you have to fix that by removing more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only if you have the patience to do so. (laughs) Right. But like, I think it would be very cool if like on a camping trip sometime, I just like do my old man move and I carve a stick into like a squirrel or something. (laughs) But I don't, I don't know if it's worth making that dream come true. Whereas, you know. I mean, there's no polymer clay out in the wilds of camping. But if there was... There's just regular clay. There's like... That's true. You can choose the color brown or wet brown, which is slightly darker. <laughs> and like, what, what do we have for, for, for a kiln? I guess just there... Just a campfire. Just toss it in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you can put it in like a like a beer can or something <laughs> to, to how... That's pretty small though. You might want need to go bigger. Right. 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 I was thinking about how like they found a, a natural fission reactor. I remember reading about that. That's crazy. It, it is mm. pretty... It's pretty out there. Yeah. And that would be a place you could, you could put your... You could fire your clay and... How does that work? Oh, I don't know. It was just like, imagine a fission reactor and imagine like that just happened naturally. That's crazy. Dang. I don't know enough about it to know what it takes, but like, it's like how life just happened. It needed to happen once before it could start replicating. And mm-hmm. it was just random occurrences. 
Right. It, it, it's like this, but fortunately, fission reactors don't replicate, or the whole <laughs> world would be one huge fission reactor now. That would be a problem. I think I was listening to one of your previous episodes the other day about hostile nuclear architecture. Oh, yeah. Nature did not build any warning signs to don't go in that cave. No. Except that it's probably really hot. I th- well, I think it was also, I think it was really old. I think it was oh, no that's longer interesting. active by the time we found it. It was just like we found evidence of it. Okay. This is this is my faulty memory. I don't, I'm not really sure, but that's, uh, that's what I remember. That makes sense. Okay. Less dangerous. Actually, probably still very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. If I guess nature's warning sign would be something like, oh, here's a black widow spider. You know? It's- that's true. <laughs> That's like nature with like really good graphic design, <laughs> but you wouldn't find a red. Well, yeah, you wouldn't find a red hourglass on the outside of a, a natural fission reactor unless. Unless it was like it was an extreme coincidence where like it would take two coincidences happening at once. Like yeah. if there was a red hourglass just on a wall somewhere, that would be <laughs> unlikely. Mm-hmm. And then you multiply that by that by the unlikeliness of the fission reactor happening just at random. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, there's a bunch of uranium that happens to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just more likely because it's that good. Probably not. (laughs) I guess what would have to happen is that the Black Widow spider would be killed by the the heat of the fission reactor, and then there would be a red hourglass to warn everybody else. So there's a a whole pile of Black Widows, Mm -hmm. which is much more alarming than just one. (laughs) Right. But they're all dead, but it's still very (laughs) alarming because they're belly side up. So the red hourglasses are all showing at the same time. Right. Yeah. Are we ready for another topic? I think so. Uh, Chris, your topic is negotiating how to play Zelda together. Yeah. This is both of our topics, but this has been... I can't can't have (laughs) two people doing one topic. That's not how the format works. I know. (laughs) Still, though. But I get it. Basically, like, yeah, since Tears of the Kingdom came out, we've just been trying to figure out how how do we play this game, even though we both want to play it in a different way sometimes but not all the time you can't can't both be in the room while one of you plays because you're playing it wrong well that i mean that's what we've been doing the Mm -hmm. whole time well there are two options we either both create two different profiles on the switch and we just play it at separate times and you know have to share this console yeah or we play the same save and just kind of negotiate all of the decisions you'll have to make going through zelda and just have the same save together we opted for that option, which is to just play on the same save. And we've definitely learned a lot about each other <laughs> on how we approach games and problems. Yeah. This is good. This is good. You're leveling up your relationship. I also feel like I have strong opinions about things that I had no idea I had an opinion about. This is, uh, yeah, this is very familiar. Yeah, I'm, I'm like very much in the like follow the main story path for the most part, like kind of just cruise on that. Yeah. But... The things that I get distracted by are just like, I'm going to attach all these pieces of wood together and like try to do something stupid, which is not something that you're very interested in doing. Yeah. I think the way I play it is like, I must explore and touch every piece of the land. And <laughs> I must see every pixel there there is in this game. Yeah. Find that's every how, turnip. <laughs> yeah. Find everything that I could possibly find. Uh, that's kind of how I like to play open world games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're different in what distracts us. Yeah. Well, you already know the conclusion is we bought another Switch today. That's sensible. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a good move. 
Yeah, the so April and I are doing separate saves, which I think is the right move because we also have pretty different play styles and also pretty different like paces of playing the game. Like if mm-hmm. if we were on the same save, like one of us would end up playing like eighty percent of the game, mm-hmm. and the other <laughs> it just wouldn't work out. the The big disadvantage in my mind of having uh, separate save files is that you have to restart the game and it has to reload every time you switch users. Oh, I see. Yeah. Didn't consider that one, but it makes a lot of sense. Yep. I was actually thinking you were going to say the biggest disadvantage is you can't really talk to each other about the game that much because it'd be spoilers. We've just been been talking. We actually set up, um, there's a thread in the Topic Lords Discord where it's just, this didn't work out that way, but my intention was for it to be like free, spoiler free for all, but only for things that you, but you can't like learn about the game outside of this discord right mm. it has to be from personal experience or someone else in the thread right yeah mm. uh in practice though people are are spoiler tagging things just mm. you know, presumably out of consideration but like I've, I've been really enjoying that thread it's just like i'm learning stuff at an interesting pace not like the fire hose of information that i could get by going to a wiki or whatever yeah, but just dribs and drabs of interesting stuff and people's like people's gameplay stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's. Neat. I've been I've been really impressed with this with this game. Like it's a the building stuff doesn't really super interest me, but it is a very impressive technical achievement. Yeah, and the exploration is better than I was expecting. Like it really seemed from the marketing lead up to this game's release that like they were trying to let me down easy. Like, no, this game is not going to be for the explorers. Mm-hmm. It's the same the same high rule. There's some islands in the sky. It's not, but like that's like one percent of the explorable area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it turns out there's more, and I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about this in case people haven't played the game, right. but there's more. There's like, for example, there's caves everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just huge. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> are you talking about the huge thing or the caves themselves are huge? Oh, I just mean the game. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't I don't know what the huge thing is. Oh, you... We, I don't think we've gotten that far. Or maybe we do. I don't, I don't know. We're probably like... Well, first save file is probably like four-ish hours in, maybe five. Okay. And then I now our like second save file... I kind of know what file. you're talking oh, about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. But the explorable area is massive. Yes. It's so it's big. very, very big. And just like... Even if it were just the caves, I think that would almost be enough for me because... Yeah. Like psychologically, so much of the Zelda series is like going underground going into a dungeon or going into yeah, a cave true. and exploring down there. And there really wasn't any of that in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Well, so w- Wacy never played Zelda until Breath, Breath of the of Wild. Wild yeah. And she she just beat Breath of the Wild like on Friday, right? Last yeah, Friday. very recently. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so to me, like everything I know about Zelda starts from Breath of the Wild. So- I mean, it's a good place to start. Like this series <laughs> was, God, it went, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to trash talk Zelda. I really like some of those games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have seen definitely clips ga- of gameplay from older Zelda games. Um, they seem very different to me. Yeah. Not just like the superficial, like, yeah, obviously Breath of the Wild looks better. The graphics are prettier. Yeah. Um, but even just like the mechanics seem so different. The way you engage with the games, like both what you're doing, like moment to moment and the way you think about how to play is very different. Mm-hmm. Like the closest thing to Breath of the Wild is actually, I would say, is the very first Zelda game. 
for the NES. Oh, really? Yeah. Just because it, it lets you loose and you can go wherever it's you want? It's a completely open world. And the world is small enough that it's really more like just a kind of a big level. Okay. But in spirit, that's what it, and that's what it felt like. It felt like you were in this immense space mm-hmm. just trying to like – you don't even know where the interesting things are. You're just exploring until you find something that you can interact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like yeah. Breath of the Wild was like trying to bring that back a little bit. But like mm-hmm. on a on a scale that is possible with modern hardware, yeah, mm-hmm. and modern team size, I guess. And modern team size, yeah, yeah. Well, so Jim, when you in April play, are you like sitting together while you play? Sometimes, or are you mostly playing separately and then talking about it in between? We're mostly playing separately, but but we will sit and watch each other play. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we're still gonna find out how we play with two switches. Also, a, a key component of this decision is that there's a 30-day return policy at target uh so we'll we'll see if this is the right long-term move because i've been also researching like oh what other games can we play like local wireless on planes and things like that yeah i didn't think about that like yeah does mario kart have a like a local wireless you don't need to connect to the wi-fi like i I think so yeah you don't like mario kart that much though right do you i mean i think it's we probably it's definitely, buy yeah, like I, I think it's very low on the list of games I would enjoy playing. But yeah. if that is the only thing you can play locally, <laughs> then I feel like we might we might play yeah. once in a while. If you come up with a list, I would be very curious to see it. <laughs> I've been looking for that list. That's the problem. Yeah, fair I enough. Think, I think Don't Starve is definitely, I don't know mm. if that supports a local wireless, but that's definitely one that we would probably play with both systems. Mm-hmm. Just because so. playing it split screen is like kind of hard because like there's a ton of UI. So just having a whole right. screen is yeah. nice. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out after we... I think you want to play the Dragon Quest. Game. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a game called Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah. Which I don't know if you're familiar. It's kind of like... It's like the it's like Minecraft, but with way too much dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> and like reasons for doing things. Right. <laughs> People who give you reasons to do things. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the first one, even though I didn't beat it. Um, so if we decide to keep the Switch, I would definitely right. like to try that one sometime. Yeah, how was that? So so remind me how Dragon Quest Builders was structured. Like, they would give you, if I'm remembering right, they would be like, we're trying to build up this town. Yeah. Like, build this many rooms or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and like you, you like define rooms by putting certain pieces of furniture in them, and I think I think there's like some kind of crafting bench or yeah. something. So you're like going out into the world, defeating enemies, picking up different types of materials and loot, and then bringing them back, building stuff, and and kind of slowly advancing your. It, it's not a tech tree. I think it's just like your ability to craft certain things. Right. And and was that the the structure of the game throughout, or was that just like level one? That is the structure of the game throughout. Level two, I don't think I got past level two, and I think there's three okay. areas. Level two has some, like, definitely combat is is bigger in that, like, and there's some kind of, like, I feel like corruption mechanic or, like, poison. I don't know. I don't totally remember. It's been a while. But, yeah, that was most of it. Build a bigger town. But you'd build a new town on level two. Right. Yeah, you start over. Yeah, I forget. I forget what they introduce there. But, anyway, I definitely enjoyed that one. So hopefully we get to play the next one. Yeah. The new one that's not new. <laughs> right. But one one step at a time. <laughs> oh, yeah. First, you have to decide whether you're returning this thing. Yeah. Right. Well, first, we have to see how 
how see whether this was the right move in our Zelda journey. So far, I have to say though, my patience for replaying the exact same parts of the game is very low. I thought I'd be fine because I'm like, well, we haven't gotten very far in the game. I'm fine with repeating what we've already done. Yeah. Now that I'm actually repeating what we've done, I'm like, never mind. I do not enjoy doing this. Well, this like especially the first like three hours of the game is tutorial. Exactly. Yeah. I would say it's not as well designed as the first game's tutorial area was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I think it's pretty heavy handed. Like it's still, you know, it and uh, kind of oddly, it also kind of demands that you have played the previous game because there's a lot of stuff that it fe- it felt like I wouldn't be able to pick this up just from, I mean, I, I guess you'd, mm-hmm. you'd just pick it up playing the entire game, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really common to like not learn everything in the tutorial and, and like go through half of a video game before you figure out some of the systems. Yeah, true. Are we ready for another topic? I'm yeah. very excited for the next one. My, my yeah. topic is cream of mushroom latte. What, what do you hmm. think? Do you think that would be good? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, my first thought is, because to me, cream of mushroom sounds savory, but I imagine for a latte, they would make it sweet. It could. Which it could be. sounds odd to me. Would you say a coffee is savory? I would say it's sweet because I add sugar to my coffee, but I, I think oh, most yes. people- oh, Certainly, me too, but the coffee yeah. flavor itself- Mm. It's it's more bitter, I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess I wouldn't say it's sweet or savory, but but I I agree that like a like a coffee drinks tend to be sweetened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess like even for stuff like a like a sea salt latte type of thing, those are still sweet, even though like they have the saltiness to them, which in my opinion makes it better. But right, please elaborate on this idea. <laughs> yes, so I um I I grew up eating drinking cream of mushroom soup like campbell's condensed soup Mm -hmm. and i was just like you know i'm gonna get this again and i got some from the grocery store and made it with you know you you you, it's condensed soup so you add a can of milk and you heat it up you stir it till the lumps go away or Mm -hmm. go away to your satisfaction Mm -hmm. and i was eating this and it was like this is exactly what i remember it being and i noticed that it was like it was it had a very similar texture to like steamed milk Mm-hmm. And that was what what made the connection for me. It was like, oh, you could put an espresso in this, and it, that might be good. I don't know. Um, and the re- the reason I bring it up on this episode specifically was that Chris, I remember you you heard about the idea of hot coke and then tried it on the show. <laughs> so I was really hoping we don't we don't have any cream of mushroom. Okay, soup all right. right well, now. you could head out to the store. <laughs> we'll be right back. Oh my gosh, yeah. Was that the f- I think that was the first or second one I was ever on. That but yeah, I just right. like yeah. poured a, a cup of coke and and microwaved it. How was it? It wasn't the worst thing I've ever tasted. I remember you describing it as like it was like really sweet hot tea. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's cuz it it just like killed all the the carbonation right, right away. Yep. I think oh, carbonated cream of mushroom latte. I've always wanted to try carbonated milk. That might be the first thing I made. Oh, yeah. Soda stream. Yeah. Oh, you you can't do that with a soda stream. Oh, you can't. No, those bottles okay. are only rated for water. Like, and you could oh. you could actually damage your equipment if you put anything else in there. Wait. Oh. No, if you want to carbonate milk, you need to get like the homebrew stuff. You need to get like the I don't even know what it is. Like, like the, probiotic things. Oh no, God, no! <laughs> You're not making kombucha milk. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> Oh, God. That just sounds like unsafe. <laughs> like so, the Soda Stream is like a um, 
an extremely simplified version of like you can just get a canister of whatever like I, I don't even know what it is now like it's it's a, some gas yeah uh co2 i think and then you like i don't know you can read about this online like if you search for how to carbonate a beverage there'll be people say, saying things like don't be an idiot and buy a soda stream because the because like you can you can get a refill of co2 for like 25 cents you know oh for oh, real it's it, it's I incredibly see. it's an incredibly cheap gas yeah dang but I guess back Did, to the mushroom latte. Yeah. Well, so do you industrial strength soda stream for because I'm assuming the tiers of like how dangerous your liquid is goes from water to milk to condensed mushroom soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the the concern about the soda stream specifically is that the bottle is specifically in like and and, and the way the the way it's sealed is specifically intended to hold a a, a certain density of liquid. A, de- a certain mm. amount of pressure. Whereas, like if you're if you're carbonating whatever, it can be in an, it doesn't need to be sealed. It could be like oh. in a in an in an open glass, for example. Oh. Interesting. This is my understanding. I could be wrong about that. My I, dreams can easily come true. Definitely look up a guide instead of just trusting yeah. me. <laughs> it sounds like we need it. Yeah, we need to find the. <laughs> the sus engineering version of like yeah. busting the open a yeah the DIY carbonation. I mean to take it back to the latte. Yeah, this is like a very triable. This is yeah, like super, you could super probably triable. attempt this for much cheaper than you would buy a cream of cow latte. Yeah, probably. I d- I don't have uh, an espresso machine. I had one ten years ago, and then I gave it away because I never used it. Mm-hmm. And now I, I've got one use for it, which is the to make a cream of mushroom latte. I, <laughs> I just make French press coffee, and I could just pour some of that in, which would not be the same, but would be a similar idea. Yeah, that'd probably be a good start. I have some really good news about Target's return policy, oh. which is that it's 30 days, <laughs> as we discovered today when we bought our Switch. So... You know, I'm sure they've got some kind of espresso machine there. I could even get the most expensive espresso machine then. <laughs> exactly. And they'll be like, we've rejected your return due to traces of cream of mushroom soup on the <laughs> yeah, equipment. They get, the, they get out the UV light. <laughs> <laughs> or you grow too attached to the amazing equipment oh, like no. I may with this Nintendo Switch. And, That's true. And yeah. Keeping it because you're like, wow, this OLED screen is so nice. Dang, maybe we need to try carbonated milk <laughs> for this reason. I actually think if the cream of mushroom soup is not very viscous and isn't very salty, because obviously the concentrated version is fairly, it's pretty salty, but if you dilute it with milk, yeah. it could be pretty good. I think it could be good, yeah. too. Yeah. Starbucks just released this line of olive oil mm. drinks where they like... Oh, yeah. Like I had one. I don't understand exactly how it worked. I think they just like froth the olive oil in with the milk or something. But it, it like wasn't bad. I don't know. It was interesting. It was pretty good. I like the texture, I guess. Like it makes it smooth, but you do have this oily taste in your mouth. Yeah. Which, which I would say is not pleasant. Yeah. It kind of has like a... I felt like it kind of like gets you in the back of the throat a little bit, mm-hmm. like the kind of pepperiness. It's there's like a tiny bit of that, and then yeah, you can like at some point just see the layer of olive oil, and you can like really feel it. But it it was interesting. It was, it was pretty good. I, I will definitely be getting another one of those. So I feel like if that works, this isn't like too many steps past. 
And who knows? Maybe maybe salt and salty coffee is a thing. Olives. Okay, I, I hate to break it to you. Olives and mushrooms not even in the same kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's nothing to say about that. There. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I'm not... How would you classify a mushroom? Not in its actual genealogy, but in practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, like in, if if I were to invent a culinary taxonomy. Yeah, like in Zelda, a mushroom, I would consider it to be a grain because it's like the basis for everything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just one very big grain at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Zelda, like mushrooms and fruit are the same thing. Exactly. Which it definitely would not fly in high school biology. Right. Well, not that we're on the mushroom and fruit. I wonder if you could make a dish that's mushroom and fruit, but also tasty. Like in real life? Yeah, in real life. Mm. I think that's pretty doable. Yeah. I guess you got a huge variety of fruit to choose from. You could choose something like tomato, which technically is a fruit. Obviously, we know it tastes good with mushrooms. But oh, true. Oh, yeah. That's probably cheating. A savory fruit. <laughs> yeah, I so think is that's mushroom, cheating. Is mushroom? I mean, it's called a fruiting body. Is cheese a fruit? What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, questions. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of a single reason why it would be. (laughs) Other than that, it's, well, okay, fruits are sweet, usually, Uh unless you're talking about like tomatoes and zucchinis and other vegetable fruits. (laughs) But (laughs) fruits you'd normally think of as sweet. Cheesecake, Uh that's like sweet cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of other sweet cheeses, as in like sweet cheese is, is fairly like fairly common, like panna cotta, the, the cheese dessert. Those are sweet, oh, but it's technically cheese. Sweet cheeses. So I think is a fairly common thing. Like okay. cream cheese, is cream cheese a cheese? But you can definitely get strawberry cream cheese. Oh, true. And that's definitely a fruit. Are we, uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, for this topic, we're going to be reading a poem... Does this have a title? This is a poem that ChatGPT wrote about Zelda. Uh, yeah. It does not have a title. You can read the prompt. Do you want to read the long one or the short one? I feel like we should start with the short one because the long one is a big commitment. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Go for it, baby. Oh, no. You can read it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first prompt, Wacy asked, can you write a poem about Zelda? Uh, and that came back with um, a seven like 28 poem. lines of poem. Yeah. And then she said, can you write a short poem about Zelda? And ChatGPT says, in lands of Hyrule, brave hearts arise. Link's sword gleams under radiant skies. Zelda's wisdom guides a beacon of light. Together they triumph against darkness they fight. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. It also, I think, I feel like each piece of this was somewhere... In the above poem. Yes. And it, they, it condensed They condensed it. the oh, sure. long poem. Yeah. And the very first prompt was actually, do you know about Zelda? And then... Oh, really? And then we jumped into the poem. Oh. What did it say? It basically said yes, but in a whole paragraph. Because I feel like ChatGPT is very, very good at making a yes or no answer incredibly long. <laughs> so it was an entire paragraph, but just to say yes. <laughs> I remember my brother sent me this meme that was like when you're in high school and you're trying to fill the word count of your essay, first you have the word can't, and then you turn it into the word cannot, and then you turn it into unable to can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the trick that I remember liking was I, I never I never dealt with word count. It was always like in a certain number of pages. 
Mm-hmm. And the way you get the page count up is you rewrite each paragraph so that it ends with a word on a line by itself. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's a good one. I remember sometimes reading like a Goosebumps book and there'll be like a page that has like five words on it or something. Oh, yeah. If I'm remembering this right, the author of The Three Musketeers was paid by the line. Oh, really? Uh, which was why he invented a character that spoke very tersely. Okay. Oh, that's clever. That's really funny. I had no idea. Who who paid for that book? I believe it was uh, uh, printed in a newspaper. Okay. Like a, like a, a recurring um, feature. Oh, wow. I can't remember what you call that now. A serial. It was a serial something. Okay. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we also have this other poem, which was from a Zelda commercial from um, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it goes like this. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks and Tektites, Leavers too. With your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go Link. Yeah, get Zelda. Which I think is about as good as the chat GPT one. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> Similar level, but in the commercial that you send over, it is wrapped. It's wrapped, and there's, yeah, there's like a drum machine beat in there. Yep. Mm. Yeah. What prompted me to do this is actually, um, so I follow a lot of Instagram accounts where it's just ski resorts around the area that I would enjoy going to. And they've been lately doing a lot of AI generated poems about skiing. (laughs) So these Instagram accounts are just posting these poems about like how the season was so great. You know, just like all these descriptive words about skiing and snow and winter and and all that stuff. So I was kind of just like, wow, you can really make a poem with any interest you have with ChatGPT in literally two seconds. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like all the the bad reputation that ChatGPT has is like, as far as I can tell, well, apart from the fact that people are trying to use it to put people out of work. um, Right. (laughs) It comes from like that you can't trust it to provide you with factual information. but Nobody expects a poem to be all facts. Exactly. That's true. That's actually something it is genuinely, legitimately pretty good at. Mm-hmm. I, and I think both the Zelda poem and the poem, the Zelda poem from the commercial, are both factually accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't remember <laughs> anything I wanted to call out. <laughs> Maybe in the long form poem, there may be some holes. <laughs> yeah. A saga of heroes in time and space is one of the lines from the longer poem. I think that's technically true. True for any heroes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Any story of heroes has to have a time component, of course. Mm -hmm. With a melody, the ocarina's tune, time bends, secrets unfurl soon. You have to do the ocarina song in Ocarina of Time to time travel, right? I'm pretty sure. So that's true. I don't remember if that's the case or not. Oh, no. You do the sword. Never mind. Did you notice that when you cook in the new zelda game he hums the 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 three note jingles that you play on the ocarina does he really oh yeah that's so cool he's like "Mm -hmm, notice that mm -hmm," and that sort of thing oh wow that's neat okay i'm gonna listen very closely oh yeah because i always skip the cooking animation too yeah yeah same well we're gonna be we're gonna be on a flight tomorrow both playing so i'll have headphones and I can what listen. What a good usage of Zelda. Just just ignore that you're on a plane for six hours or whatever. Exactly. 
that is definitely the impetus for this morning at like 9.30. I was like, hey, should we buy another Switch right now? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's the closest thing to time traveling. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, ChatGPT, for supplying a poem in a real pinch. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for coming up with the idea to ask, babe, and the prompt. Uh, it, so to be clear, like, you don't need to write a poem for this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... I, I guess, like, I don't know. I don't come across that many poems in everyday life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I started this segment because I wanted to seek them out. Yeah. yeah. And, like, last episode, we didn't have one, so I was just Googling, like, best poems. <laughs> yeah. And I found a list, and we picked one. Mm-hmm. Actually, before I settled on asking ChatGPT Zelda, I was going to ask, like, well, I had a couple of categories. One, I was like, I wonder what is the scariest poem ever. Ooh. Well, I mean, like, oh. I don't know if that... I don't know if that's like extremely subjective and what ChatGPT give me might not be actually that scary. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask if there's like, you know, horror poem, if that's even a category. And then the second thing I was going to ask was just like, you know, the saddest poem ever written or something like that. So I wanted to see like what it would give me, but I figured that might be a little too um, heavy for this mm. chat. Oh, I, I think I know that one. Oh. Well, I have a, I have a pretty good contender. Is it ah. Baby Shoes Never Worn? Uh, no, because the, the babies don't wear shoes. They just realize they don't need shoes for the, the, the baby's going to be crawling in like a year. It doesn't need to wear shoes for another two. That's fair. That title is, is pretty sad though. Just yeah, on its, own. it's Yeah, it's brutal. So there's an album. We, this is, this has come up on the show before, which is how I know about it called A Crow Looked at Me by the indie band Mount Eerie. Like it's written in the immediate aftermath of the Mount Mount Eerie is just a guy in the immediate aftermath of this guy's uh, long-term girlfriend and mother of his child dying of cancer. Oh, geez. Jeez. And uh, I was like, okay, this is going to be too much for me, but I'm just going to read the lyrics. And I read the lyrics of the first song and it was like, it was devastating. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) that might be the saddest poem that I can think of. Yeah. Oof. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna listen to that one after the I know, show. I know. I don't. Rec- I don't know. I don't know why. Why do people do things like that to them? Like I know why he wrote this album. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know why people listen to it. Sometimes you gotta. You gotta know that your feelings still work. Or yeah. it's more like feeling seen because I'm sure yeah. others have oh, gone sure. through a similar, yeah. you know, scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like horror poems is a, that's a, an idea that I had not. Yeah, because I've I've read a few you know those like one liner shortest horror stories where like they're horror stories but it's only one sentence. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen some of those. Yeah. Um, I can't think of an example. And I feel like you're about to tell me one right now, and I really hope you don't. <laughs> no, I just. Um, <laughs> I, I I have read them, and I was like, oh, these are kind of terrifying, and um, I wondered if they existed in poem form. I was just thinking of bad two-sentence horror, which is a subreddit. <laughs> it's it's like supposed to be that, but they're all like really bad. Oh, I've seen really good ones of okay, the like that's cool. basically two-sentence horror that actually I'm like getting a little shiver from the thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess if Dang. there is a subreddit for bad ones, there must also be good ones. Yeah, that's I true. I feel like Poe has to have written some horror poetry. True. Mm. Uh, this list calls The Raven one of the scariest poems in English literature, which, like, I've read that one. I don't remember being freaked out. <laughs> that sounds like something an English teacher wrote. 
I'm like, you kids aren't going to believe this guy. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. yeah. I think I was like, should I Google two-sentence horror on Reddit? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, Chris, your topic is climbing real rocks. Yeah. So this is something that Wacy and I went to do last weekend, last Sunday, and it was very fun. We've been going to like the big climbing gym chain in the Bay Area. Is there a chain? What's the name of it? There, there's two chains actually. One of them is called Touchstone, and one of them is called Planet Granite. Uh-huh. We go to Touchstone. I think those both both of those names are really good <laughs> names for climbing gym chains. Yeah, the the climbing gyms that I've been to have all been like named after the thing the building used to be. Oh yeah, those are probably Touchstone gyms. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, I see. So you might not. They're not actually. The sign doesn't say touchstone. Well, it's like it's like touchstone is like small text, and then the one that we always go to is is massive, and it's fairly new. It's called Pacific Pipe, and like it used to be like a pipe. Right. Yeah. There's and there's one called Ironworks. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm pretty sure used to be Ironworks. <laughs> there's Berkeley Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, really? That's not a climbing gym, but but it is named after the fact that it used to be a bowling alley. Oh wow, I had oh, I no did idea. Not know that. The, that Berkeley Bowl is very close to the sports basement, which used to be an ice rink. And it makes a lot of sense to me that those two buildings were close to each other. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that there was like a bowling alley and an ice rink nearby. It does make sense, yeah. Oh, wow. I just always in my head assumed that like, oh, because you put food in a bowl. Right, right. You make a little salad. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Berkeley Bowl, I guess their thing is just like, so much produce, right? So yeah, the produce section. Like, <laughs> if you're ever in the Bay Area, that's like it's worth a visit. Like, as a just a tourist destination, is the produce section of Berkeley Bowl. Yeah, I gotta go check it yeah, out. Yeah, we should I go check it out. Been. Anyway, I was like, what are we talking about again? Uh, so, rocks. Yeah, so we we climb fake rocks all the yeah. time, probably about once a week, sometimes mm-hmm. twice, and we've been doing that for a while, and it's very fun and like. I really like it. It's a cool mix of like puzzle game and exercise. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. I initially started liking it. And when you do a climbing route, all of the holds that you need to touch are the same color. Like you're only allowed to touch the ones of the same color. Like there's some correct way you can put your weight or like correct order that you can touch the handholds on that will make it the easiest to get yeah. across. So it was really interesting to for us to like go out to Castle Rock State Park, which is like, it's near uh, Saratoga, uh, California. And yeah, just climb up real rocks, which are not color coded, surprisingly, but also it just feels so cool. You got to find your own way up. And it's not like, you don't know how hard it is until you try it. Whereas like the, in the gym, like they, they, they will print the difficulty level, like, right. Yeah, true. Well, we we went with a like a private guide because we don't have any equipment or anything to do this. So um, it was us two and the guide and and she went up and attached all the anchors and everything to the top of the rock uh, so that we could like rope climb each other like we normally do at the gym. So she knew like, oh, like this approximate way is like 5.6 difficulty. This approximate way is 5.8 difficulty. But they were all like, like the equivalent things in the gym are like trivially easy, and these were like incredibly difficult. Oh, is, do you think it's just because you weren't accustomed to climbing outside? Is it just the air conditioning? I think gyms might have difficulty inflation <laughs> a little bit, but also yeah, I, I think that's true for sure. I think I think there's there's pressure on the gyms to to make people feel yeah. like they're getting better when they're not necessarily. 
Mm. I mean, like, certainly the increasing difficulty letters at the gym does mean increased difficulty for the most part. But I don't I don't know if there's like a standard of what type of move means what number or something. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other way it could happen is like people – they have people who like set the routes and then the, those people just decide what difficulty level those routes are. Right. And they work in teams – but the teams don't necessarily like talk to each other. Oh, like as okay. far as I know, like yeah. So they they might be everybody in one gym's route setting team might agree on like a certain scale that is not agreed upon on the scale of the next gym over. Interesting. I've definitely heard discussions of some people saying certain gyms are harder, quote unquote harder, just that. You know, their leveling is more difficult than other gyms. Um, so definitely heard that. So I can I can see that happening. I also think climbing outside, the hard thing is just, I feel like when you're climbing a route at the gym, you have like some harder holds, some easier holds. There are holds that are just literally handles that you can grab onto. It's meant to be easy. Right. But rocks don't shape that way <laughs> in the wild. There are no really like, super easy handles that you just grab on with your full hand and know how to grab it and know that it's going to be frictioned and, and nice and comfortable <laughs> versus outside you're just kind of padding around the rock trying to find anything you can to grab onto like tiny little crevices and yeah. like i think that part was really shocking to me for some reason even though i've obviously seen rocks and i know they're generally pretty smooth actually mm-hmm. so it was it was still really shocking for me to be like, wow, there's really nothing much to hang on to. Mm-hmm. Not like the gym where there are obviously colored, bright colored <laughs> molds of things that kind of fit my hand nicely. I hadn't really thought about this, but like the way they set the climbing routes at the gym is they, they have like chunks that they attach to a wall. Right. That's mm-hmm. not how rocks are shaped. Exactly. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. 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 Something building on that. That was interesting is like, yeah, 90, 99% of the rock is just doesn't look anything like it looks in the gym. Yeah. But then every once in a while, there's like one feature on the rock that's shaped exactly like something at the gym. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't like, there's this one particular one I'm thinking of where it's it was like a slightly darker thing. And it was just like this like lump that you just like kind of pinch with your whole hand. And I was like, oh, I've seen this lump at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't think I would see this lump anywhere. Because, you know, the gym also has, they'll have like skulls and like perfect spheres and like right. other weird shapes yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I also wonder like, is it, maybe you can go some places in the world and find rocks that really are like that. Yeah, that's true. Like skulls and perfect <laughs> yeah, spheres. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like how... um when you read the Harry Potter books, you can never be sure, like, what what aspects of this story are, like, it being a magical kingdom, and what aspects are just, like, that's just how it works in England. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, very true. You know, I never even thought about that. <laughs> like, I, I've seen multiple people, like find out that in England because because it rains all the time, the the camping tents are huge and like they have like kitchens. Wait, are you serious? Just like in the Harry Potter. Oh, so that okay. I did think that was just a Harry Potter yeah. thing. Oh. Because you never leave the tent while you're camping because it's raining all the time. Is that like what an English tailgate looks like? <laughs> like I'm I'm thinking of the there's one of the Harry Potter movies where they go to like the giant Quidditch tournament or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's all the, the the tents that are like bigger on the inside than the outside. Oh yeah. That I, I think that is 
part of the magic and not how they work and well yeah sure but but just like these these tricked out tents <laughs> right yeah 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 like maybe that's the the english tailgate or something i do think that in harry potter most of the buildings or architecture you see you're just like wow so beautiful so unique but then that is actually what some of the architecture looks like yeah. there and i think it's that part's kind of crazy to me and also i do feel like um since i grew up in canada i feel like a lot of the wording is is the same in Canada versus like in the US, like maybe like head headmaster is not a word that you oh. use, um, but it is something that lots of other people use. Well, like people in Canada and I'm assuming England. So maybe that is like sounds a little bit more magical. Yeah, right. You're right. I thought that was made up too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's so obvious that it's not now that you it's say it. It's not made it. up, yeah. Dang. All right. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't think I need to like inspect my my assessment of Harry Potter for these things. At least until inevitably one day my dad's going to be like, "Hey, do you all pointing at me and my brothers and, and whoever else is home want to watch the entire series of Harry Potter movies <laughs> over the next like 4 days?" <laughs> to which there's obviously only one correct answer, uh which is yes, of course. <laughs> I can't wait to see how I can't wait to see these kids age in real time <laughs> and then yeah can look for it then mm -hmm. it's in our future <laughs> I see <laughs> Just I so mean you know. I did really enjoy the books and the movies so yeah they're pretty epic not, not something I'm dreading at least the I never read the books but the movies are super epic so one of the things back when I would go to the climbing gym on a regular basis one of the things that I really liked about it was that like it reminded me of platformers like playing platforming video games. Like I feel mm. like it's kind of a straight through line from like rock climbing to like Ninja Warrior to Super Mario Brothers. Like it's just like a <laughs> yeah. straight trajectory there. Yeah. Like the, uh, there is a um, – Winston has been watching Ninja Warrior with us and really nice. enjoying it. And he's super good at climbing and getting around. And we were looking up like – do they have a ninja? They haven't. There is a ninja warrior gym in like Orinda. We we went to the one in Concord. Oh, oh, that's probably the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, like some some place like way far, like the northern lines of Bart. Right. We went there once, and I think it was called the Parkour Gym. Okay. They they had like a ninja warrior corner, which like everything in that corner required such tremendous back strength. <laughs> Or just overall body strength. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah it, it's it's for the advanced students, probably. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, like we were talking about, like, are we ready to s sign up for like the drive out there every weekend? Like, <laughs> mm, true. Mm. How, can you like? Are you close to where six eighty crosses five? I don't know where that is. Not I don't that know close. the. Oh, okay. I don't know the freeway system well enough. Sure. Yeah, it, it's a little ways out. It was it was like mostly like adolescent ish males were in the gym, but they were doing some pretty wild stuff. Yeah, wild stunts. Yeah. You didn't see any four year olds. <laughs> I think there was one like maybe like an eight year old, which is not the same as a four year old. No, but also like this, you know, I'm sure a four. I'm sure your uh, strength to body mass ratio oh, yeah. only goes down over time. Uh, Winston is like in in incredibly incredibly capable in terms of climbing like things mm -hmm. i could never hope to do 
Like, even if I were fit. That's how I feel whenever I'm in the climbing gym because there's lots <laughs> of... I imagine maybe they're in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of like middle school kids, I, I guess. Um, and they go to the gym. They climb with kind of like an adult supervisor slash coach type of person. And they just... They're just sending up these super hard routes and they're doing it really fast. Yeah. yeah. They're just so good at it. And they're these like tiny I humans. take solace <laughs> in the fact that I could probably... I could probably kick their asses. <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah, and they just have so much energy. Yeah, I yeah. feel like for me, I climb a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, I'm tired. They're just yeah. zooming up and down. They'll do the same route like three times the time that it takes me to do like, I don't know, half of a yeah, round. Yeah, and then, and then you have to rest and then you can do the other half. Exactly. Yeah. Jim, when are you going to get Winston started skateboarding? Oh, this is something that I'm if, – if this is going to happen, it's going to be his idea. Okay. But you have to like inception the idea somehow. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's probably going to see me play the Tony Hawk series at some point. Okay. Mm. In fact, he has. He yeah. saw, saw me play the remake, the remake of one and two, but it didn't seem to register with him. Like he's he's much more interested in watching Mario and Zelda. Oh, okay. Ah. Interesting. I think those are a little bit more colorful That's and magical. probably a big part of it, yeah. Yeah. Me and my brothers started skateboarding a little bit when I was in like late middle school because of Tony Hawk because we we played through Tony Hawk Underground and then I was like all right I'm gonna I want to try this yeah. and I was finally like tall enough that I could do you finally get the board up to the power line so you could grind them <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a long road <laughs> getting there but and definitely like for like my youngest brother like he had a like, we had to find a really small skateboard for him to be able to, like, do stuff too, just because they're, like, actually really heavy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's four-year-old skateboards. I've definitely seen, like, four or five-year-old or year-old kids at the skate park way back in yeah. the day who were, like, way better than I was. Oh, I've seen four or five-year-old people skiing and yeah, snowboarding yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure I've seen, like, Instagram reels of, like, the kid looked like he was maybe two- like oh, wow. doing like there were simple tricks, but they were you would definitely call them tricks on a skateboard. It was pretty oh, impressive. Wow. That's cool. That's really impressive. Maybe if you get tech decks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a like one of the playgrounds we sometimes go to, there's like a tech deck skate park. Really? Which is weird like interesting. Wow. It's it's weird because nobody has those anymore, as far as I know. But luckily, like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a big like a table full of like rock obstacle courses is still fun. Like even if you don't have the skateboard. I see. That's kind of neat. That's I don't really think I've cool. ever seen I've that. I've never seen that. They, they used to have the ones you could buy. I think one of my neighbors growing up like had the quarter pipe or something, but it was like not actually that fun to play with. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I wonder how kids playgrounds have evolved since, you know, we were all kids. That was, that was a topic a couple episodes ago. <laughs> Oh, oh really? really? Okay. okay. Maybe we'll just go listen to it. Yeah, we yeah. can listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very, very much about the perspective of the guests as opposed to like a real history. But we were talking about it. Mm. That's cool. That's interesting. I have a very vivid memory in elementary school where they like stripped out all these like really awesome jungle gyms and put in the like safe version. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was like had way less stuff to climb on and was just like not nearly as yeah fun. yeah yeah. Well, the the topic is about how uh, playgrounds are getting better again. Oh really? Yeah. Oh that's oh, cool. But because yeah, Dang. like I agree, like that. The the whole thing about how like yeah, as soon as a kid gets hurt on one of these like 
like a seesaw or whatever. They rip out all the seesaws, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but apparently they've there's been some sort of I don't know maybe there's like a standardized body saying like these are the ones we've certified certified as as safe to use. Mm-hmm. Like I would imagine that the problem can happen in America because you can just like sue the shit out of right. people. But I wonder if it happens in other places too for similar. Reason. I guess my assumption is it's because people sue each other in America. And I, I wonder if that assumption is true or if it's yeah, the same everywhere. I actually think that might be part of it. But the other part is I feel like parents in America are really different than, let's say, parents in Europe. Like the oh, way they yeah. see their kid. Because American parents generally see their kid as like, I need to protect them from all harm and watch them at all times. And whereas like from what I've heard, I don't have kids, so I don't know how valid this is, that people in Europe are generally a little bit more, let the kids run around and I don't need to watch them and... You know, a little bit more like different styles of parenting potentially that could drive to different styles of jungle dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you seen uh, Old Enough? No. What is that? It's on Netflix. It's a show from Japan. Uh, It's a reality show where- Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. You probably know about the tradition of the first errand, which is uh, um, Mm. for the audience. This is the tradition where when a kid is like two or three- the parents will send them on an errand, like go go into town and get buy us some milk. Oh wow! Uh, and the kid has probably like done this with their parents a thousand times, so they know the way. And everybody who sees this happening knows what's going on, uh, and they're ready to help if the kid asks. And oh, that's so cute! Like mm-hmm. this is a way to teach the children, like a you can get things done, and b you do it by relying on the help of your community. Mm-hmm. And this is a TV series that just documents instances of this. And in the first episode mm-hmm. that we saw, um, there's a kid like he's 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 supposed to go to the, he, he walks two miles to the to the store and buys like curry and like two other things like and it's just the 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 drama of watching a child you know try to remember how to do all this stuff because he can't <laughs> read you know yeah, yeah. Uh, so he can't make a list he just has to remember everything. Um, oh, wow. And then the next oh. episode we saw was um, a much older kid, maybe four, whose task was to juice some oranges and make orange juice. Oh. And he, instead, he like spent an hour playing with the dog. And then <laughs> uh, his, his mom called and said, did you juice the oranges yet? And he said, I'm about to. And then he s- spent another hour <laughs> playing with the dog. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's relatable. Yeah. So I really enjoy that series. And just like the idea of, yes, I don't know how you would bootstrap that kind of culture here in the US. I think it would be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Because you certainly can't just send a three-year-old. Like they would get, they would, the community would help by taking them to the police station. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Dang. That's that's neat. Yeah. I really like that though. Checking that out. Like, I feel like it will help the kid kind of boost their confidence, yeah. too. Like, they go achieve the milk task, whatever it might be, and they, they're like, mm-hmm. wow, I can do things. Yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like if you bestow upon a child the ability to go to McDonald's by themselves, like, to to be able to do that mm-hmm. on their own. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, you know, how to cook yourself a meal. Mm. Right. I remember when I was a kid, like, one of my cousins who was my same age was like using the microwave and I, I had never been taught, like I never learned how to use the microwave yet. And I'm, I'm the oldest in my family and he's like almost the youngest. Yeah. And I was just like blown away. I was like, what? <laughs> but then thinking back, I'm like, oh yeah, probably the siblings 
taught him how to like make popcorn. Yeah, or right. Whatever. Yep. Or maybe his parents did, but I'm guessing he got it from from my other cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Skills. It's good to have skills. You're so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Winston is just like inching towards learning how to read, and it's really cool. Oh. It's oh, wow. it's really like interesting to observe this whole process because like I, I don't think he has all the lowercase letters yet. Okay. <laughs> and it, well, yeah. whose idea was it that we needed two al- two versions of the alphabet? And that doesn't even count like cursive. I agree. Maybe we live in an era where we can fix it. No, I'm just I'm such an engineer. I'm They're just, just like... not teaching him cursive. Oh, do they not teach that anymore? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean maybe maybe oh, wow. it'll happen later, but as far as I know, like it's just out of the curriculum. That makes sense. It, it I does. Think. Yeah. It does, except that like it's still around. Oh, true. Kind of. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of the last time I read cursive that wasn't Thank me you, signing uh... a wedding invitation. Those tend to all be in cursive for some reason. Oh, the cursive font. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a little different, but well, similar enough. I've definitely had a number of conversations where someone is like trying to write something in cursive and they're like how do you do a capital g or oh something yeah like, like that. some of these are i don't even remember how to make all the letters in my name now because yeah like i i just kind of start the j and then i just squiggle like <laughs> yeah also like i'm sure like some of those letters are so strange i'm yeah. sure different people must do them differently like who who got to choose the standard cursive I don't think I I don't think I care to find out the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Uh, Chris, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, sure. I'm on Twitter at MRChrisLHall. I don't tweet very much though, so. Yeah, it's probably for the best. And uh, <laughs> Wacy, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I don't really have too much of a public presence on the internet. Good so, for you. But my name, is, my name is unique enough that, that you could probably find me somewhere. <laughs> but yeah. It's just the one. Do you? I don't know. How, do you? Do you want to get into the name? Because I bet people are wondering. Oh, I mean, it's actually quite simple. My mom just made it up because she wanted to have a unique name, and she really liked the kind of C sound for for girls' names. Uh-huh. There's like you know, Stacy, Macy, whatever, and she really liked that ending. Um, so she decided that this was like a combination of letter that is unique enough. That's that's, that's pretty much the history. I guess that's all you need. Honestly, mm-hmm. though, I don't know. As, as someone who have you know, who I have a lot of trouble kind of explaining like how to spell my name, how to say it throughout my entire life. Mm. Um, I don't know about giving your kid a unique name. I'm I'm more on the no side. <laughs> well, when we first met, like on online dating apps, you, you like have to put a fake name. Right. Yeah. So I use a fake name just because like, you know, I don't really need someone to be looking, looking me up on LinkedIn and knowing about all my history. It's just, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a little too unique, and I would prefer for something like online dating or for other things, gaming in general, like I would mm. use not my real name. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but just in real life, like, for example, a lot of people go by their middle name, so that's that could be an option. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. 
Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!